said this evening I was going to uh, bring a message on uh, some of the great young people of the Bible. And uh, we won't have time to go into a lot of detail because uh, there's so many in the Bible. We're just going to touch on some of the more well-known and a couple that you may not have thought about. But, uh, uh, you know, young people are very important in the Bible. And you will see that if you took all the young people out of the Bible, uh, you wouldn't have a whole lot of the Bible left, really. So we wanted to take a Sunday to remember our young people. And I'd like to plan one of these for next year and plan it when the weather's good so that we could uh, uh, maybe have a meal or something along with it. And uh, we'll look forward to that. And, and you young people remind me, and we'll have that uh, sometime next year before it gets cold on us, and where we can go outside and have some things to do out there. Okay, Genesis 39, verse 1, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard in Egyptian, uh, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. He was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him oversee over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not all he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotheth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she called him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. We'll stop reading right there. The story, of course, goes on and how he's in prison and all. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Word of God. And I pray in Jesus' name you'd help me tonight as I preach. Lord, open the hearts of each one tonight. Bless the young people. I pray that they may understand that that you have for us and maybe we may receive from you tonight. And I pray that you'd help me to be a blessing, to be a help. If there's one
person here tonight that's not truly born again, I pray that they come to Jesus tonight. In his name I do pray. Amen. Well, as we think about the great young people of the Bible, and that's my message tonight, great young people of the Bible, uh, we come to our first character that we like to point out, and that is Joseph. I think Joseph is one of the greatest men of the Bible. And the thing that impresses me more about this young man is that he was a young person. Joseph is about 17 years of age when he is sold into slavery. He is sold by his brothers. He's hated by his brothers. One of the reasons he's hated is because his father favors him above the other children. And that presents a problem naturally. Uh, Joseph was the son of Rachel. You remember the story of Jacob, how Jacob worked seven years for Rachel, ended up with her ugly sister, Leah, and had to work seven more years for the girl that he really loved. But God would, did not allow Rachel to have any children. And, uh, but finally, she's able to have a child, and Joseph is the firstborn. And Jacob favors this boy, makes him a special coat of many colors, and uh, his brothers continually hate him. God gives special revelation to Joseph there and reveals to him how that uh, his uh, uh, brothers would bow down to him, and we know this literally happened. But uh, they sell him into slavery, and uh, the Ishmaelites take him down to Egypt and sell him to the captain of Pharaoh's guard, Potiphar there. But Joseph here, if anyone ever had a reason to turn against God and quit serving God, he no doubt did. He could have made every excuse in the world. But here's a young man that in spite of the circumstances of life and in spite of what had happened to him, he determines that he's going to do right and he's going to serve God. You know, uh, I see real character in this young man's life. And I say to you young people tonight, do you have character? Character is what you would do when no one's looking. What you would do if you knew nobody would ever find out. That determines whether you have a real character or not. If you do not develop character as a young person, you won't have any character as an adult. But Joseph here was a young man that done right, whether someone was watching or not. Here's a man that was not lazy. He was sold into slavery, but he did his job, and he did it well. And uh, there, uh, God blesses Joseph uh, there in the land because Joseph determines, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do right regardless of the situation in life. I'm going to do right. We may make excuses for our actions, but really, we don't have any excuse. It is never right to do wrong in spite of the circumstances. Joseph was a good boy. He was a good man and a young person. And God began to bless him here. But Joseph is faced with the greatest trial that any young man could ever face in life, the greatest temptation that anyone could ever have. Potiphar's wife uh, gets a, a, what do you call a crush or whatever on Joseph. Joseph evidently is a very handsome young man. And Potiphar's wife, she tempts Joseph to commit immorality with her. But Joseph answers her, and he said, I cannot do this thing 
My master has trusted me with everything, with the finances of the home, with the servants of the home. He has placed everything under my care because he trusts me. Now think of that. Here's a young man that can be trusted. Here's a young man that you don't have to watch every minute. Here's a young man that's going to do right whether you're watching him or not because he has character and he has God in his heart. And there he said that my master, I can't do this and, uh, and disappoint your husband, my master. And he said, furthermore, if I committed this thing, I would sin against God and I cannot do that. And he answers her, this did not happen just one time. But day after day after day, this ungodly woman, no doubt she was a very beautiful woman, but this ungodly woman continued to pressure uh, Joseph and, and to, to pressure him to commit sin. But day by day, he rejected her. Now that's, that's, I'll tell you, I, I read that and I marvel at, at the, the grace of God. I marvel at the power that God gives this young man to do that. Time after time, he rejects it. And finally, he finds himself alone with her in the house. I'll show you how vile and wicked she was. She said, I'm going to force him. I'm going to make him commit sin. But he, she grabs him by the, by the coat and he leaves the coat with her and runs from the house. The Bible said flee fornication. And there uh, she tells her husband that he had tried to rape her. Of course, that's not the way it happened. And uh, he's cast into prison. And if anything could have ever gone wrong in a young man's life, it seemed like everything he tried to do went wrong. He tried to do right. You know, this wealth and health preaching is just a bunch of baloney. If you try to do right, if you, they say if you live for God, you're going, you ain't going to ever be sick, and you're going to get rich. Well, the story of Joseph doesn't bear that out, does it? And Joseph there has all kinds of problems, and he's hated by his brothers, and his soul is a slave, and now he goes into slavery and he's trying to do right. And this cause this woman has him thrown into prison. But even there, God begins to bless him. And uh, he ends up being over the other prisoners. Such a man of character. And there, uh, of course, you know the story, he ends up out of prison after interpreting the dream of Pharaoh, the seven years of plenty, in the seven years of famine, and God raises him up as second in all the land of Egypt. But the point I want you to understand, young people, is this young man was, was 17 years of age. Here's a young man that done right. Then the second character I'd like to point out is another familiar character. First Samuel 16 and 17. I'm not going to turn to all these scriptures for the sake of time. They'll be familiar to you. And that is a man by the name of David. You know the story there of how Samuel was sent to the house of Jesse. 
the father of David, to anoint the next king of Israel. And he goes there, and Samuel has his boys pass by him. And Samuel looks at the firstborn, and he said, Looks like a king to me. God said, That's not the one. Don't look at his outward appearance. The Lord looketh not, seeth not as man seeth. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You know, that'd be a good rule of thumb to follow when you think about marriage. A lot of people marry for looks. Sooner or later, the looks change, don't they? And uh, y'all look for what's inside of the heart, as God does. And uh, he has all of his sons pass before him, and the Lord said, it's none of these. And uh, Samuel said, don't you have any other boys? I know God sent me down here. He said, well, I've got one little young fellow over there. Over there with the sheep. Jesse didn't even bother to bring him. He thought, well, I know it's not him. It can't be. It can't be David. David's just a youth. Well, this boy's a teenager. And uh, why, you know, good and well, good and well a, a teenager can't be the king of Israel. He never even bothered to bring him. He said, you go get him. And they bring David in. And the Lord said, up and on him, this is my choice. A teenager. Think of that. You want God to use you? Or you want to serve the devil? Here's a teenage boy out there with the sheep. But I'd say he had a real character in his life. And he is chosen to be the next king of Israel. God begins to prepare him. And you know the story of Goliath and how he killed the giant and how God supernaturally allowed him to kill that giant. We remember the story of how that he went to see about his brothers in the battle. And this giant came out, this nine, almost ten feet tall giant came out and defied the armies of Israel and said Send me a man to fight with me. And if I kill him, you'll be our servants. And if he kills me, we'll be your servants. And they, every night, morning, or day by day, came out and defied Israel. And David arrives and he, he observes the giant and he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Where's the man that will go against him? And they rehearse it to Saul, and they bring him to Saul, and Saul said, why, well, you're just a boy going back home. He wasn't even old enough to go to war. He wasn't even old enough to be in the army. Go on home. You're just a boy. He said, I'll find the giant. He said, you can't fight the giant. You haven't had any training. You haven't been through basic training. How could you fight? He's a man of war from his youth. You can't fight this man. Saul tries some armor on him. He hadn't tried the armor. He said, I don't need this. But he said, I'll fight the giant. David goes out there and gets his sling and his five smooth stones. And the Philistine sees him coming and he makes fun of him. 
Do they send me a child? Do they send me a little boy? Where's the soldiers at? They sent a boy up here. He said, I'll feed you to the fowls of the air. David answers him and says, you come to me in your, the power of your gods, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel who you have defied. And he said, this day God will deliver you into my hand. I'm not coming to you in my power. I'm not going to defeat you in my own strength. I'm just a boy. And I look like a midget in your sight. I'm nothing. But I've got a great big God. That's what David was really answering him. You know the story. How he was able to sling the stone and hit him in the forehead and down the giant went. And David gets the sword and cuts his head off. And God gives David a great victory that day. A young person. We've noticed two characters in the Bible, Joseph and David, two of the greatest men in the entire world of God, and both of them were used of God as a young person. Both of them were young people. And they went on to do greater things for God. But it started in the youth. Well, you know what the lesson I'm trying to get across young people is? If you want God to do something with you later on in life, you need to start serving God now. You give your teenage years to the devil, you won't be much for God later on down the road. You give these years to God now. You give this time to God and you sell out to the Lord and say, Lord, you can have all of me from my youth up. You can have me now. God will do something with you later on in life. David. Then there's another you may not be as familiar with. I want you to turn to 2 Kings 22. 2 Kings 22. And this is one of the most amazing stories in the Bible. 2 Kings chapter 22, page 449. And we have a man by the name of Josiah. You ever hear of Josiah? We're going to hear about him tonight. I want you to forget this man. Josiah, 2 Kings 22, verse 1. Look at verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adai of Bosketh. Now think of that. Eight year old. We have anybody here tonight's eight, eight year old. Matthew, how old are you? You eight? Nine. Nathaniel, are you eight? Now, Nathaniel here is eight-year-old. How'd you like to be king? You'd like to be president of the United States? Yeah, be all right, won't it? Uh, <laughs> so I tell you, we're going to have a new candidate this year. Call up George Bush and say, I just want to let you know, I'm running for president. How old are you? I'm eight. <laughs> People laugh. Eight-year-old boy running for president? Well, that can't happen. But now here's an eight-year-old boy, Josiah, that's king of Israel, king of Judah. 
eight-year-old. Do you know something about this eight-year-old boy? He becomes a wonderful king. He has some good counselors. He has a good mother. And I'll tell you, this, this boy does all right. He's one of the greatest kings that Judah ever had, Josiah. And he became king when he was eight years old. Think of that. Now, verse 3 said, It came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah, so this would make him 24, that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azalah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe to the house of the Lord, saying, and he goes on and talks about they're going to repair the house of God. Then verse 8, And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. Now think of that. Here's the high priest. He don't even have the word of God. He said, I found the law of Moses. I found the law of God. You read the next chapter, you'll find they had idols set up in the temple. They'd set up groves for the false gods. You wouldn't believe how far away from God they'd, they'd gotten when this eight-year-old boy got, became king. And he's king for uh, 18 years there. And he said, we need to fix up the house of God. And as they're fixing it up, they discover... The law of God. Hilkiah takes it to the king, and they read it before the king. And in verse 11 through 13, it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes, and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahakim, the son of Shaphan, and Achbor, the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Ahaziah, servant of the kings, saying, Go ye inquire of the Lord for me and for the people. And for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to according unto all that which is written concerning us. And they go to this uh, prophetess, and she sends word back in verse 19 and 20, because thy heart was tender. I mentioned that this morning. And thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord. When I heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy grave in peace, and that I shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. Now, in chapter 23, Josiah begins to straighten things up. And verse 25 says, And like unto him, talking about Josiah, was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. I wanted to point this king out. Here's a king that finds the law of God. And he has the law of God read to him. And then he has the law of God read to the people. And he 
begins to institute the law of God. He gets rid of the idols. He gets rid of the high places. He gets rid of the groves. And he determines that he's going to do right. And he does right. And God said there was never a king like this man. Anybody after him that served God like King Josiah. And it all started when he was eight years old. And he's only 24 when he does all this. How many people do you know that are 24 years of age that are sold out to God? How many people eight years? How many, how many teenagers do you know that are really sold out to God? Here's a young man, Josiah, determines to do right. Let me move along. Another you're familiar with is Daniel. I like Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. Nebuchadnezzar goes into Judah there and captures Jerusalem. Carries away some of the seed royal into the land of Babylon. And among these are Daniel and his companions that we know for their Babylonian name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they become eunuchs, which means they can never be married. And they were given as servants of the Babylonians. They're trained in all the ways of the Babylonians. And when they're brought out of their land, they appoint them a portion of the king's meat and of the king's wine. They said, you're going to eat what the king eats. You're going to drink what the king drinks. You're going to learn the language of the Babylonians. By the way, that was Iraq where they were carried off to, what is now Iraq. And, uh, but there's a problem they run into all at once. Now, here these boys are just teenagers, more than likely. And they bring out this meat, and they've got hog meat on there, all kinds of meat. Daniel knew the law of God said, you can't have that pork meat. You can't have that liquor. So Daniel was faced with a choice. He's a prisoner. What's he going to do? He requests to the prince of the eunuchs, he said, my God forbids me to partake of this food and drink this wine. I want all young people to pay attention to me now. I'm speaking to you tonight, preaching to you. I want you to listen. I can't do this. He said, just bring me pulse, bring me vegetables, bring me water to drink. He said, I can't do that. He said, I'll endanger my own life to the king. He said, why, you fellows won't be as healthy. You won't have any meat in your diet. And uh, I can't do that. He'll kill me. I'll endanger my head to the king. Daniel said, prove us 10 days. And he's saying as much if God doesn't come through for us, then so be it. And after 10 days, the Bible said, that their faces were fairer than all their companions. 
and there was none found so wise in all the kingdom as those four boys. And there God was with them. Now listen to me. They made that decision when they were young. You want God to be with you when you get older? You put God first in your life now. And we know the stories. That's in Daniel chapter 1. Now the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the burning furnace. And they throw them in there. And they come out without even the smell of smoke on them. Without even a hair of their head singed. And Daniel is thrown into the den of lions. And he comes out without being harmed. But I want to tell you something. If it's teenagers... They hadn't made their choice in Daniel chapter 1. I doubt they'd have survived the fire. I doubt Daniel would have survived the lions. But he committed his heart and his life to God while they were young. That's what you need to do. Then there's a couple more I'll mention. In Luke chapter 1, a very familiar story, and that is Mary. You know Mary, don't you? We're approaching the Christmas season. In verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, said in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thy among women. Now think of this. Mary is this young person. Mary is probably a teenager. You know what God says about Mary here? He said, you're highly favored. And the Lord is with you. And blessed are thou among women. A teenage girl chosen to bring forth the Messiah in the world. Why didn't God get one of the more seasoned ladies? One of the ladies that knows the law better or whatever. When God chooses a lady to bring his son into the world, he gets a young girl. He didn't get an elder lady. He gets a young girl. And he said, you're blessed, you're blessed among women. You're highly favored. And God's with you. And of all the women on the earth, God has put his hand upon you. I believe the young person, as I study the Bible and read and study the Bible, a young person really has a great opportunity to be used of God. Because throughout the Bible, we've already seen throughout the Word of God, God has chosen to use young people. He used Joseph. He used David. He used Josiah. He used Daniel. And he's now he's using Mary to bring the Son of God. The greatest blessing that anyone could ever have bestowed upon him was to be the mother or to be a vessel through which God would bring forth the Messiah, the Son of God, into the world.
and what an honor. You know the story, it's so familiar. I don't have to go into it tonight. She doesn't understand. She said, why, how, I can't have a baby. I, I'm a virgin. Some of the newer virgins, the newer virgin, virgins, I'll get it right in a moment, they, they changed the word virgin to a young woman. There's a great difference. A person could be a young woman and not be a virgin. Mary had never known a man. God said it will supernaturally happen. God used Mary. There's one final one I'll point out. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you'll turn there, please. 1 Timothy and chapter number 4 and verse 12 and 13. Paul writes to Timothy there, page 1276, if you haven't found it yet. Schofield Bible. 1 Timothy 4, 12. Let no man despise thy youth. Be thine example of the believers in word, in conversation, Charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Timothy, a companion of Paul, a young man whose father was a Gentile and his mother was a Jew, a half-breed. But here's a young man that God saved got born in the family of God and got on fire for God. Here's a young man that said, I'm not going to be like the world. I'm not going to be like the rest of the crowd. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do right. One day the great apostle Paul finds him in the book of Acts there. Takes him along with him on his missionary journeys and teaches this young man in the ministry. Paul writes here from prison and he said, let no man despise your youth, but I want you to be an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and faith, in spirit and faith and in purity. Young man, I want you to be an example for others to follow. First church I pastored, this is the only second church I've pastored really. Providence Road Baptist Church and now this church. I was at Providence Road for nine and a half years. And uh, when me and my wife went to that church, we were the youngest people in the church. I guess I was about 21, I think. Everybody in the church was older than we were. Sandy, I think, was the first baby. Isn't that right? Very small, about 25 people. And, uh, you know, I kind of felt uh, uh, embarrassed. Here I am, a young man, just uh, a kid, really. And I'm trying to preach to elder, older people. And, and uh, I didn't know a whole lot. But God taught me and God helped me. And we learned together. But God can use a young person. You don't have to be an adult. You can be a young person. And God can use you. And Timothy was a young person. He said, I want you to be an example of the believers. I want you to set a pattern. I want them to be able to look at your life and, and say, follow me and do like I'm doing. God has used sometimes. I've seen God use young people to bring the parents to Christ. 
Sometimes I've seen people that are young and they're saved and they're in church and they're trying to serve God and their parents don't even go to church. And they're setting an example before them. And here Timothy was a good man, though he was a young man and a young person. He said, don't let anybody despise your youth. Just because you're young, don't let people use that against you. But you've been an example. You live such a way that they can't speak against you. You live so close to God and, and do right and people won't be able to talk against you. Live for God. And he said, verse 13, give attendance and read an exhortation to doctrine. He said, study. Spend, get, take time in the Word of God. Spend time in the Bible. And then nobody can speak against you. And you know, I found that to be true. If you just preach the book, just preach the Word of God, and preach thus saith the Lord and read the Word of God and quote the Word of God and just give people the Word of God, you can't do much with that, can you? Because it's the Lord that's really doing the job. Young people, I've mentioned a few tonight. Wouldn't you like to be one of these young people? Can. You say, I wish God would use me. Just think, if God can use an eight-year-old boy, I think he can handle, I think he can handle you. Now, you may not be king. You may not get to be president. <laughs> and you might, Nathaniel, someday. <laughs> so won't now. But uh, you may not be king. You may not be thrown into the den of lions. By the way, the Bible is, is always accurate. A lot of the times us preachers say it was a lion's den, but the Bible doesn't say that, does it? Read it. You see, it could have been a lion's den and the lion's been gone. The Bible is so accurate, it said it's the den of lions. The lions were in there. You may not be thrown to the den of lions or the fiery furnace. You may not face what these fellows face, but you're going to face something out there. As I mentioned this morning, you're going to need God, and that's why God says, remember the Lord while you're young, because down the road, you're going to need God. You need to know Him while you're young. And these ought to be our heroes, not some long-haired rock star that worships devils and demons and uses drugs and lives like the devil. Don't let that be your kind of hero. Some people make a hero out of a baseball star or football star or whatever. And that becomes their hero. I want to be like them when I grow up. You know what we ought to say? Our main hero ought to be Jesus Christ. You realize Jesus Christ was young at one time. We never mentioned him tonight. He was only 33 when they nailed him to a cross. And at 12-year-old, he was confusing the doctors and lawyers because he was God. But Jesus Christ ought to be our main hero. I read to you there, a little boy said, Lord, help me to be like you when you were six. And whatever age you may be, that'd be a good way to live. God, make me like Jesus Christ was when he was upon this earth in that age. But these ought to be our heroes. God, help me to be like Joseph. Help me to be like David. Help me to be like Daniel or Josiah or, or Timothy or Mary. God, help me 
as a young person to be like these. May these be my heroes in life. That's the thing. And if that's your desire, God will help you. The Bible said these things are error, were for our, written for error, admonition. They're error examples, and they're written for admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. God put these stories in the Bible for a reason. We may read about them. And I can remember even as a child, I can remember these stories. Jonah and the whale. How Jonah swallowed the whale. Remember that, don't you? Oh, the whale swallowed Jonah. That's the way it was. And how Moses built the ark, you know. All the animals went in. Oh, it was Noah that built the ark, wasn't it? Noah. Noah built the ark. But I could remember those stories from the child. And those heroes. You know, God helped me and God used those stories that one day called me to preach. And God wants to use you. Will you let him use you? Will you say, Lord, I'll be anything that you want me to be? And get all, you know, people have some wild ideas when they're growing up sometimes. I want to be a baseball star. I want to be a football star. And a few people make it, but not a whole lot. Very, very few. The possibility of someone being a baseball star is, you know, about uh, 100 million to one. You know what our desire ought to be? Dear God, I just want to be what you want me to be. If what I do is work in a factory all my life and just barely make it, I'll, I'll be all right. But I want to serve you. Maybe you just want me to be a good someone's wife, just be a housewife, or whatever. Dear God, just whatever you want me to be, that's what I want to be, and it'll be worth it all. Okay, let's bow our heads, please.